every challenge that I face, things that are beyond my control. All those things make other things possible. The only reason I'm about to start something grand is because some other stuff didn't work. So this growth mindset, all these struggles that we've had over all these years have taught us everything we need to know to be able to do what we're about to do next. And all those things made this next thing possible, which is perhaps one of the most exciting things we've ever done. Welcome to Evolve Leadership, the arena where high-achieving leaders are challenged to redefine their limits. My name is Angus Nelson. I grew up in the United States, and I now live in Lisbon, Portugal. I'm an executive coach, and I've spent my career advising and training leaders from startups to Fortune 500 companies. And here's what I've learned. An old, ineffective leadership framework will always keep you on a hamster wheel, consumed with work-life balance, burnout, and stress. Here on the show, each week we'll help you rethink the path to achievement. We'll help you discover new principles, new philosophies to the modern leader. Look, the world is relentlessly changing, demanding a new era of leaders. It's time to redefine your limits. So enter the arena, my friend. It's time to evolve. Welcome back to the show. Angus, today I'm super fired up because you are interviewing one of our clients that had a massive transformation in his life. Tell me about it. Yeah, we started working together back in 2019. This is a guy who super talented, super capable, and as such, like did all the things. And one of the things, the quotes, you're going to hear me talk about it that I remember distinctly when we first spoke on the first call, he said, I just want to get unchained from my desk. Wow. He didn't trust his team. He didn't delegate. He didn't put people in place to do a lot of things that he knew he should have been done. And then a pandemic hit and everything had to change. We're going to tell that story today. Our guest today is Michael Stelzner. He's the founder and CEO of Social Media Examiner and the host of one of the marketing industry's largest conference called Social Media Marketing World down in San Diego. And he's also host of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. Let's jump into that interview right now. Welcome to the show, Mike. So great to have you here. I am excited to be on your show, Angus. How are you doing today, man? <laughs> is, it, is it fun to be on the other side of the microphone? No, it's more fun actually to be in control. <laughs> That's Welcome life of an entrepreneur man. to my lair. This is so great. Um, I'm really excited to kind of walk down memory lane in some respects and go through some of our time together because we've been hanging out for a number of years and we've experienced a lot. And today on the show, I want to dive into this whole concept of growth mindset and in so doing, tell kind of the story of you becoming more growth mindset in how you lead and what you experience. Does it sound like a plan? Let's do it, man. Yeah, well, come on. So we started working together back in October 2019. Uh, I was posting some videos, I think, on Facebook or something like that. You're watching one of my Facebook Lives. It was like, I don't know, 6.30, 7.30 in the morning, and you were watching from California like two hours earlier, and then you pinged me. It's like, hey, can we talk? And we jump on a call, blah, 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 and we started working together. And so I want you to kind of think back to 2019 
What was your leadership style back then? And what were some of the challenges you were facing? Well, first of all, a little context, uh, 2019, the business was doing fairly well. Um, we were starting to see a slow decline in the social media marketing industry, meaning, you know, the, the rabid interest in social marketing was starting to level out. And I was finding myself having to work a lot harder to get the same results. And as a result, I was burning the candle kind of at both ends, definitely putting in long hours. I had a really big team. I felt like I couldn't count on all those people to really um, be fully committed to me at the time, right? Because I don't think they fully grasped the, necess the, the, the need for them to kind of like step up and rise up. And, you know, I probably had uh, 65 people working for me full-time and part-time back then. And, um, you know, the business was doing pretty well, but things were suffering uh, for me. I was starting to feel the weight of just, you know, this empire that I had built since 2009, you know, it was, it was starting to get a lot harder to do things. And I had been able to ride the social wave for so many years and I just started to feel the pressure. And at the same time, all this was going on. I also, uh, my three girls were starting to get a little bit older, right? I was facing one of them was going to be going off to college. The other two, you know, were, um, getting closer to the point where they'd be out of the house. And I started reflecting on, okay, I'm married also to my wife and also to my business and to my customers. And it was like, um, you know, just starting to wear on me. Mm, trying to make sense of all of it. And as an entrepreneur, like you said, like a lot of juggling, a lot of things going on. And one of the things I remember you were saying was, I just want to get unchained from my desk. And that was like yeah. a, a main focus. Yeah. And, um, you know, back then we had a nice office, you know, this is before everybody started working from home and, um, I would be in the office and I would feel as if I could never leave my desk, you know, because everybody would pop into my office or there'd be pings coming across the chat tools that we were using. Everybody wanted to talk to me. It was fulfilling. It felt good to, uh, be needed. It felt good to solve problems because I'm really good at solving problems. But also I, I was starting to notice that there was like definitely like, um, I don't know, like when I would go on vacations, I wasn't present as much with my family because I was always noodling on, on solutions to problems inside my head. I felt like everything that I had built was, um, you know, what made my life possible. And I'm like, I, I just, I think slowly but surely started to realize I was getting addicted to the work. Mm. And this is a common thing that happened. So we flash forward. And I, and I couldn't escape. That's why I said yeah. chain to my desk. Like no matter, no matter what I tried, yeah. the chain was there. That's how I felt mentally yeah. at least. Right. Yes. And that's where I'm, I'm loving this conversation already because this is like where even to this day, like so many conversations I have are different variations of the same story. Right. As leaders, right. so many times the, the, Impotence, impotence, impotence. I made a made. I think I made up a word. The emphasis. I'll use that of uh, needed to be needed, you know, or feeling like in control, or feeling like I'm doing this because are all these things that we tell ourselves. These myths. There's like, well, that's what a leader does, and they sacrifice da da da, and they lay themselves down, and they whatever, and 
only but a few months later. We flash forward, and I and my family came down to your conference, Social Media Marketing World, down in San Diego. It's beautiful. We're in the hotel. And like it was on the 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 ongoing conversation of now there's a boat out in the water, some cruise ship that they're not letting people get off of the cruise ship because there's this COVID thing. We come home from that conference. After how many people were there? I don't know, 3,000, 4,000 people, all yeah, this event. So the date was March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd yeah. of 2020. That alone should help everybody kind of contextualize. Yeah. We had over 4,000 marketers from all around the world, except for certain parts of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the Asian countries, they did not send, uh, their, like Mitsubishi did not send their staff from Jap- Japan. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, all of a sudden the speakers started getting these cancellations and all of a sudden, uh, 10 days later, the world shut down, yeah. quite literally. Yeah, the president was- declared a state of emergency. And yeah, we had a problem. And now here it is. We have declared pandemic. Everybody's shutting down and you're running an event-based company. Now everything's going sideways. And at first, we all thought, oh, just going to be a few weeks. We'll get over it. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Can you take us back to that season and how the impact of that business started like trickling over the next week after week after week and what started to transpire? Yeah. So, uh, first thing is I told my staff, Hey, everybody, um, this is just going to be a short term thing, uh, maybe a three month thing. So we're just going to batten down the hatches and we're going to play it safe. I sent all my office people home. We weren't even allowed to be in the office, but I went in there because my landlord wouldn't give me a break on the lease. So I was in there by myself. And that was good for me because I needed a mental escape, right? I told my family, okay, hey, we're going to prepare for the worst, right? Let's stock up on toilet paper and all the things. All the things, yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> like we did. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, and I really did. Uh, I did some emergency podcasts talking about how to, how, to, how to manage through crises. And I talked about how I've been through 9-11 and been through Y2K and all these other, you know, uh, financial crises. And um, I really um, made some smart decisions early on to cancel some things that we were in the midst of promoting. And I just said, look, you know, um, we just need to be here for the community. And I gave all my staff a thousand dollar emergency bonus because I said, you're going to need it. One of them said, I don't want it. I said, I know you don't want it, but you're going to need it. So just Mm -hmm. take it, you know. And um, we decided we're going to ride out the storm and we rode out the storm and, you know, um, everybody was working from home. It got a little more complicated, but it was like actually a really good thing in some regards, Angus, because it forced me to be around my family a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people that survived through this experience learned the value of this hard stop in business. Um, and it was really a great time for me to work on mindset for me to work on plans for the future. And, you know, there's so many paths we can go down here. So I'll just let yeah. you decide to take it where you want to go because it was a pretty crazy adventure. Yeah, and I want to break it down a little bit. So one of the first pieces was getting you unchained from your desk. And so you made some decisions to make some strategic hires. How did that come about? What did that look like? Gosh, remind me, who did I strategically hire back then? I don't even remember. I mean, like we're talking 2020, right? Um, was there something in particular that I, you remember that I don't remember? There was a copywriter, <laughs> and then there was uh, uh, your um, 
operations. Okay. So um, the way that, you know, the pandemic was, you know, a long-term thing, obviously it wasn't just a short-term thing. Right. And we, along the way I said to myself, okay, what are we going to do to survive the pandemic? And I had to prepare for the possibility we wouldn't be able to have a conference. And it turns out that we weren't able to have a conference because the San Diego Convention Center became a um, homeless shelter. And, you know, uh, our conference was going to be in the following March of 2021. And there was just no chance that, like, luckily, we were able to get out of all our contracts. But the bad news is we lost millions of dollars in revenue. So what we did along the way was we got very creative with the stuff that we were doing. We started imagining a, a, a new future, what it would look like. And we started saying to ourselves, okay, what are the things that Mike is doing that Mike should stop doing? And one of the things that I was doing for the longest time was writing everything because I have a background as a copywriter. So we went out and we hired a copywriter. And um, this is after the offices had already opened back up. And she came and moved to San Diego and started working for us. And she was excellent. And it was nice to not have to write copy anymore. It was painful because in some regards, because I had to train her in my ways, you know, and she had her ideas of what was right. And I had my ideas of what was right. And obviously my ideas had worked for a long, long time. And, you know, there was that whole painful process, but we, we started hiring um, strategically people to do things that I had done. And that was really, that was really liberating. Mm -hmm. So now you have time, you had margin, you had space. And you were able to like stand back and look at your company from some different lenses and that vision that you were able to paint for where you wanted the company. And now all of a sudden, given all the, the changes, you started developing other uh, products, other opportunities, revenue generation type opportunities. What were some of the shifts? Because one of the terms we always say is, what does this make possible? Right. So what made, what was made possible when all of that started to come about? Well, I'm going to tell you that our innovation kind of went through the roof because of, I, I'm a, I'm a creative person, but I'm also an operationally minded person. I've told you before that I'm most creative when I need to be creative. So I'm creative at solving problems. And if I don't, if there isn't a need, I do not exercise my creative side of my, my brain. But because there was a legit need, I started spinning out products left and right. We started inventing things that we'd never done before. Uh, we started the Social Strategy Club. We started a, a course called Becoming Well Known. And um, those things didn't end up working, but that's okay because we learned so much in the process of doing that. You know, there, and we just, idea after idea after idea, we, we launched the social media marketing workshops because we couldn't have our conference and we decided to... Um, uh, when everybody was going left, we were going right, right? Like when everyone's going this way, we want to go the opposite direction. Everybody was doing online training back then, but they were all very short, 15 to 30 minute sessions. We decided to do two hour long workshops from 14 presenters, which was unheard of, right? And we gave our customers an option to refund their tickets to the conference or to get a free ticket to next year's event. And also this workshop thing, and the majority took us up on this. So that was really helpful. That means we didn't have to refund all that money because we had pre-sold a lot of tickets at the conference the year before. We just, we were creating ideas absolutely left and right. And 
the downside to this is that we have a lot of people inside the company that are very operationally minded. And I would come up with ideas and execute them extremely fast. And the problem this created for the company was it created chaos for the people that had to execute on these. So in my mind, it was necessary to come up with innovative new ideas. But in the rest of the company's mind, this created a condition of chaos. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So we ended up losing people, right? We ended up having people quit on us and we had people decide to leave. And this was, you know, the, the uh, great resignation period was going on, right? Mm -hmm. So we lost some people that needed to go anyways, yep. but we also lost some good people. And along the way, I began to learn, okay, there's got to be a balance between coming up with ideas and actually executing on the ideas. And I've evolved my thinking. We can go down that path if you want to. I do. Um, and, and, and part of that too was also you started seeing waste, right? The way that a lot of the subscriptions or a lot of the contractors, a lot of the things that you were spending time and energy on, you started getting a different perspective on the company. It's like, hey, wait a second. This is more complicated than it needs to be. Go on. Let me just pause for a second to say this. There is one trait that you will find in every successful leader, no matter their industry, no matter their role. And that trait is action. And we want to inspire ambitious leaders like you to bet on yourself and take action on those audacious goals that you see in your heart. That's why we created our 90 day accelerator. It's a results driven battle tested framework designed specifically for high performing leaders like you to get unstuck and propel you towards your goals. And in just 90 days, you won't even recognize a person you used to be. To be a part of this elite community, go to evolveleadership.org. Now, back to the show. Well, okay, there's a bunch of things that unlocked because of this. Remember I had mentioned I had a lot of people working for me. One of the first things that I did was I began systematically eliminating all contractors because I wanted to keep the employees because the employees were committed to the long-term success of Social Media Examiner and the contractors, frankly, weren't, you know? Mm -hmm. So I slowly, methodically eliminated all contractors. I told everyone, hey, we have to, um, we have to work together um, I, I came up with kind of a way, I don't remember, it was a war analogy, but I basically said, we're all going to war here and I need to know that you're all here and you're willing to take on tasks that I didn't hire you to do, right? Yeah. And the idea was like, this is going to give everybody a chance to like try new things and unlock abilities, right? And we're a team and I, I definitely stress that. So what ended up happening was getting rid of all these contractors and really putting pressure on people to rise up. Some people broke, some people left. That was actually a good thing, right? Because it, it, it lets someone else better come in and take those jobs because I had realized I had hired a lot of people that I thought were very nice people, but weren't exceptionally skilled at the job. Mm -hmm. And obviously revenues were down dramatically. Profitability was down dramatically. So I had to really focus on making right decisions. And it meant sometimes me going back to doing things that I was really good at, yeah. you know? Um, but along the way, that was part of it. That part of it was this pressure to um, all hands on deck. Everybody, we're going to just do the work, right? And then eventually we got smart and we realized, okay, 
we need to really document these processes. We need to adopt things like project management tools to really get really good at this because there was a lot of institutional knowledge that was in the brains of our people. So then we started moving towards using tools like Asana and then requiring everyone in the company to manage all the things inside of Asana, which drove the creative people mad. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, it was like, we need to not lose this wisdom and knowledge. Right. And then eventually, um, more recently we began to realize, okay, we actually have to place, um, people over ideas, which is a new concept we've most recently evolved on. And if you want me to go there, I can go there. You want me to go there? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, so what we began to realize was that of our leadership team, four of us are creative and three of us are not, we're more operationally minded. Mm -hmm. And we began to become aware that the operationally minded people, which are absolutely necessary to take something and make it become reality are we were seeing turnover and stress and crying and just challenges from these people, right? So I began to read the book, uh, Creativity Inc. Ed Catmill talked about, you know, founder of Pixar said, hey, look, you know, he had the same problems at Pixar, one of the most creative companies in the world. And he came up with a concept, which is people are more important than ideas. So I embraced this and I started in, in, uh, in, injecting it into the corporate culture. And people like me who are creative when necessary and others were beginning to embrace, okay, uh, before we decide on an idea, we got, we need to make sure we properly think through what is this kind of impact is this going to have on our people? Mm-hmm. Because we've come to the realization without our people, we're nothing. Yeah. We can't actually do all the things we're known for if we don't have people that love working here. Yeah. And, um, I'm excited to be announcing that we're going to be presenting this to later today as we're recording this to my um, organization. I think they're going to be elated at at how we're embracing this new thing. And it's forced a lot of creative minded people to slow down, think through, talk through what kind of an impact will this decision have on these people? Have you spoken to these people? What are their opinions? You know, because we can't make a wrong decision and then have these people leave because you think it's a brilliant idea and they're the ones that are gonna be feeling the pressure of this idea. Mm-hmm. So this is evolution in thought process that has happened from, for us. And now, you know, we're recording this in 2023, we're finally out of the pandemic, we're slowly scratching our way back to profitability. We didn't make a dime last year, we lost a million dollars. So we're actually kind of ex- in an exciting future now where we're, we're building on all these principles that we have learned over the last couple of years. And that's why I think what happened with COVID was kind of a blessing because it forced me to think about, all right, where am I investing my time with my work, with myself, and with my family? Who on our team is the right people and who are the wrong people? We use the phrase a lot, we gotta have the right people in the right seats to get where we wanna go. So there's been a slow process of liberating some of these people so they can go out and find a better career somewhere else. And there's been a slow process of making sure we don't hire people on instinct. We hire people because they're brilliant and they're a culture fit and they have skills we don't already have inside the company. And that process is getting us to the point where we're very excited. And all this requires growth mindset. So to bring Mm -hmm. it back, you know, um, everything that happens to us, we always ask two questions. What can we learn from what happened? And what does it make possible? And all things that happen to us are learning opportunities. That's how we look at this. 
Like we shut down stuff left and right. You know, I am an ax man when it comes to eliminating things, but there's always good things that come from it. And, and we never can forget the things that we've learned by experimenting and having that experimental mentality and understanding that an experiment could fail. Yeah. That's why we call them experiments. And then, you know, what does this make possible? Okay, it makes all sorts of things possible. And I will tell you, we've gone from a company full of people that were fearful every day about whether they would have a job tomorrow to a company full of people who are very optimistic about what tomorrow will bring, regardless of what it is. Mm. And that's transformative for me and for our culture. Yeah, and you've made it contagious. So when you look back and we talk about having a fixed mindset, some of the things that uh, were the processes and the systems or, or, not, or lack thereof, you know, this is just the way things are. This is the, this is the way we've always done them. We've always had a team of 60 some odd people. This is what you're supposed to do. And all that was this fixed mindset. And when everything kind of went sideways from the external, it forced you to go to this place of like making decisions, uh, transforming the way that you thought about the problems. And so you and I talked about when we first started, you know, you're like, I don't know about this, Angus, this is kind of woo, or this is kind of like, whatever, you know, and I kept pushing on you and pushing on you about, hey, this is what a growth mindset looks like. This is what self-awareness looks like. This is, you know, these emotional intelligence type of uh, quotients. And slowly but surely, you'd come back to me and you'd start lear- using some of the lingo. He's like, see, Angus, see, I'm learning. I know. <laughs> it was so great when it was like the student has become the teacher. I am an alpha male, eight wing seven on the Enneagram, ENTJ on the Myers-Briggs. Like, yeah. I am someone who pretty much like, get out of my way. I can do this. You know, yeah. free the space for me. I'm going to get this done to becoming someone who is like very much like, all right, you know, encourager of others, right? Mm. Somebody who's like, okay, you know, let's debrief on what went wrong here. You know, what could you do differently? How can you solve this problem? Instead of me solving it for him, I'd have a conversation, come back to me with a solution tomorrow. Mm. You, I'm not going to do it. You do it. You know how to do this, you know, and, and, and slowly transforming my company Everyone thinking instead of Mike's going to solve these problems, they, they realize they've got to solve these problems and I'll be here to help them along the way. And it's, it's gotten to the point now where I have so much margin. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm a little going a little stir crazy. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> well, I don't know. Getting ready. This, this, this uh, presentation you're doing for your team right now, I think has kept you pretty busy, but now I'll have to give you yeah. some more stuff. Um, so when you, talk to other leaders or you observe other leaders and now experiencing this transformation for yourself, like what are some of the like more simplistic or easy ways that are kind of like helping people find a way off of that dominant alpha style? Us alphas don't, don't tend to hang out with other alphas very often. I'm not going to lie. You know, Mm. we're kind of like, we kind of like propel each other. Yeah. (laughs) But I have advised people that are entrepreneurial, you know, and given them some of my thoughts and wisdom. Um, you know, I'm unique in that I am very much part creative and part operational, right? And um, I have to kind of go back and forth a little bit to feel good. And um, because I understand both the operational side of the house and the creative side of the house, 
and because I spend the most time with my staff who are leaders in their own right and have their own teams, they really enjoy this version of me that I have evolved into over the last many years. Um, they say to me, Mike, you're a great boss, which I never heard them say before because yeah. I'll call them up and specifically have something in particular I want to talk to them about. But I'll say to myself, all right, let me start with this. How are you feeling? I know you're under a lot of stress. I know you've got an employee who you're not happy with and another one you're thinking of hiring. And I just want to do a check-in. Where are you at? And sometimes we get into such a deep conversation. I just say, all right, well, that was all I wanted to talk about. Have a great day. And I don't even bring it up because I realize that's not the right time to bring it up. Right. And then I'll get from them. You know, you're an amazing boss. Thank you for listening. You know, mm -hmm. even though my motivation was something that I saw that was a problem I wanted to talk about, I've gotten to the point where I realized sometimes people just need someone to talk to. And sometimes they just need to get it off their chest because it's difficult being a leader, you know, yeah. when you're a director of a bunch of people. And that's something that I've evolved into. Angus, you know, you and I are virtually opposite in personality, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but that's something that I've been working on. And, you know, um, you can't do that if you're someone like me, unless you have margin, right? Because if you don't have any margin, people like me just very quickly go bypass all the pleasantries and just cut to the chase and say, you screwed yep. up. Yep. How are you going to solve it? And all that does is create stress. Because when you're the person who has, holds the power to terminate you, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Then people aren't going to tell you what's really on their mind. They're not going to share their, their thoughts with you. And I've tried really hard to get people to open up, you know, and share with me what, what their true concerns are. And I feel like I've gotten, I've changed a lot. I know people walk up to you when they're at social media marketing world and they say to you, whatever you're doing, it's working, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doing a good job with that guy, Angus. You're doing a good job. But, you know, Realistically, like this is my favorite piece is you're doing the work. All I do is show the mirror. Right. Hey, when you act like this, when you, you approach a thing like this, is just what is what does this look like? And then you get to dive in deep. And this is one of my accolades to you is you've done the work. You've taken the time to go deep and say, Hey, how can I do this differently? And had the humility to make those steps, right? And any coaching relationship, that makes the best. I've, I've been watching Quarterbacks on Netflix, which has uh, three pro players, uh, Mahomes, uh, uh, Kirk Cousins, and um, ugh, the guy from Atlanta. He was in Tennessee. Now I'm really embarrassed. Um, Oregon Ducks, shoot. Anyway, he ends up getting replaced because he isn't stepping up to his game. The other guys are you know, going through their stuff and you start to see the relationship between these coaches and these players and the relationship between them and how that symmetry and how that harmony creates the best in everybody. And that's kind of the same thing is for you and I, it's like I can push and pull, you can push and pull and things grow. So for you, what has that been like in terms of dialing back the alpha taking a look from a different perspective and coaching, influencing you in the ways that it has. What has that journey been like for you? Um, well, in the beginning, obviously a little painful only because like people like me don't like change. 
don't like to be told we need to change. Yeah. Um, however, having continued to do this for a long time, I think it's been a, it's been a really rewarding, um, uh, a really rewarding thing because when you are um, founder CEO and you've got a fair amount of people working for you, there are not a lot of people that you can share your concerns with and uh, can be an objective third party and also people who, who can advocate for you, right? Which is what a coach is supposed to do, right? They're yeah. supposed to encourage you. They're supposed to correct you. And those are things that, um, frankly, I just never had, yeah. right? I never had anybody encouraging me and I never had anybody coaching me or correcting me. Yeah. So um, that is something that is super, super rewarding. Um, there's been so many times you and I have been on our weeklies where something exciting gets birthed right out of our calls, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I know I can talk to you yeah. and like just the interaction we have and all of a sudden the idea comes out and before you know, we're executing on it. Right. Yeah. And, um, that's exciting for me. Um, and that's super valuable for me. I don't know. Um, I probably won't ever fully wrap my head around the ripple effect of it, but I know it's pretty, pretty big. Yeah. Well, I want to touch on one thing before we kind of bring it in for landing. And that is, you said in the beginning, the time with your daughter is going off to college and then there's boyfriends and we had all the different things that you've navigated. Like, how is that relationship with your daughters and then with your wife and date nights and everything else taking this different priority in your life? I'm looking down at the ground because I got a Father's Day card for one of my daughters that I'm not going to read to you, but it was very, very cool. And mm -hmm. she basically, she's 18 now. And she said that um, um, she really appreciates the kind of dad that I am and all the things, you know. <laughs> and that was really valuable because one of the big fears I had is I'm going to be one of those kind of dads who was just never there. You know, the cat in the cradle song, yeah. you know, yeah. dad, I want to be you and then all of a sudden they're exactly like dad and yeah. dad's never there and the son never has time for the father well my kids i have a really good relationship with my kids and i feel like they can talk to me even though they know that there's times not to not to bug me <laughs> right, right for sure yeah <laughs> i don't have any regrets um i feel like it's never too late to um develop stronger relationships with your kids your spouse anybody who's important to you um, you know, we've also implemented date nights with my wife, which I wasn't doing for a long time. And mm -hmm. I know she's happier as a result of this. And this came as a result of you and I working together. So I can, I can arguably say that this has not just impacted my business, but my personal life as well in a pretty dramatic way. It's beautiful. So as we bring in for a landing, is there one thought or quote or a uh, concept that to you is like, this is the cherry on the cake. This is the thing that brings it all together for me. Well, I think this, the statement, what does this make possible, right? That you've ingrained into my brain. What does anything make possible, right? Like what does the decision to have a coach make possible? For me, it made possible um, survival mm. as a business. It made possible better relationships with my staff and my family. It made all sorts of things possible that I haven't even really processed. And also every challenge that I face, things that are beyond my control. 
um, all those things make other things possible. Like I'm about to start something grand, which you know what it is, and I can't say what it is. But the only reason I'm about to start something grand is because some other stuff didn't work mm. and because some other problems that I had. So this growth mindset, like all these struggles that we've had over all these years have taught us everything we need to know to be able to do what we're about to do next. Mm. And all those things made this next thing possible, which is perhaps one of the most exciting things we've ever done. So that is the phrase that I have fully embraced in all aspects of my life. What does this make possible? Mike, such a pleasure. We still have uh, so much adventure to run together. And I really, really want to thank you for I'm about to get emotional. Like this has just been so cool to reminisce this whole journey with you and watch you become and embrace who you become as a leader and to have the emotional intelligence and the self-awareness to make the moves you've made to experience what you're now experiencing. And that's what I want to make contagious to all the world. Thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Thank you, brother. As we wrap up another episode of Evolve Leadership, thank you so much for taking time to invest in you. If there's to be any sustainable growth in your company or even in your relationships, you must grow first. And it's what I love to do for leaders, to help them grow, to challenge their thinking, sharpen self-awareness, to instill an unshakable confidence, and ultimately upgrade their sense of self. And we do this through our proprietary method called Agile EQ+ where we're leveraging agile leadership and emotional intelligence. We provide our signature training for individuals and for businesses, we've designed a unique curriculum for company-wide learning and development. If you'd like to learn more about our training or to schedule a call, you can simply go to evolveleadership.org. And until next time, stay driven, keep climbing, and never stop evolving.